This episode brought to you by Busy Beaver Button Company, who asked us to play this song as their ad. One, two, three, four. Are you a quantum cosmologist with no one to talk to? Tired of lecturing to the same old TA? Maybe it's time to shift this conversation from Celsius to Kelvin. Naked singularities. Naked singularities. These hypermassive celestial bodies are waiting to take your call. Naked singularities. Naked singularities. We've got the hottest accretion disks in the galaxy. And no Roche limit on these mysterious beauties. Naked singularity. Naked singularities. You'll gamma ray burst when you see us fire hot jets of plasma on both ends. One call to naked singularities will have you starting your spaghettification immediately. So how do you like them? Young and radioactive? Or mature and hypermassive? Naked singularity. Naked singularity. Hole so big you couldn't escape if you wanted to. It's mathematically impossible. Naked singularity. Naked singularity. So call our Schwarzschild line. The number is d squared is equal to the negative sum of one minus two m over r times dt squared plus the sum of one minus two m over r t r squared plus r squared d omega squared. Naked singularity. Naked singularity. Where E equals MC Bear. Not responsible for any loss of data or shrinkage due to Hawking radiation. Hey, yeah, I want, I want to talk to me one of them super massive black holes. Y'all got one of them super massive ones? Really hot. Yeah, I'm a super massive black hole. I can't wait uh, to 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 have you describe. All right, my... I'm done. What's how much do I owe you? <laughs> hey, everybody, I'm David Flora. <laughs> I'm Dave Stecco. You know, in retrospect, that intro would have been uh, really good for uh, uh, Daryl and then the <laughs> Daryl and the the uh, Flophouse prostitute. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Huh? <laughs> oh, okay, I'll. I'll I'll be the I'll be the infrared telescope. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not Daryl, I'm Dave Stecco. And this is Blurry Photos. I was hoping you'd say and I'm not a flophouse prostitute. I, no, I can't <laughs> deny that. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not gonna Legally be Legally bound to wear yep. that crimson letter. We we are the filthy uh blurry photos. Oh yeah. We're just we're science's bad boys. Look out. Starting it hot and heavy. I uh, hope yep. everybody's doing well. Got a nice thick slab of science to cook up for you. <laughs> Marinated it a little first, and we soaked it in milk overnight, <laughs> like a fine liver. <laughs> <laughs> so gross. Uh, Flora, what have you been up to? Oh, uh, you know the use. If by use you mean <laughs> doing fucking awesome shit. Ah! Yeah. I- <laughs> Uh, I just went to uh, your house this weekend. Yeah, living in the Iowa, La, La Vida, I, Iowa. <laughs> Sounds like it. Uh, I visited you, 
had yep. uh, had some of our good friends come and and do some bachelor fun time weekend party things. Uh, Greg the Gooch Bach, Dark Mark Soloff, JVG the Gishmaster, <laughs> Peter the the future brother in law. <laughs> Peter, the future brother-in-law, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, so yeah, that's uh, that's what we did. We and we went to uh, Waterloo, Iowa, to do some archery tag. Yeah, yeah which we was tore it uh, up. yeah, which is is uh, like paintball only with bow and arrows, and the arrows have uh, soft little marshmallow little marshmallow thing. tips on them, and it was so much fun. It was uh, glorious. It was magnificent. We had we had a hell of a time shooting each other with uh, arrows, and the the most damage was done by myself to myself. <laughs> you self inflicted. Yeah, I I went so hard in the paint that I I kind <laughs> of created paint new off. paint. Yeah, <laughs> the paint rub my inner arm due to my terrible technique in shooting a a, a bow. Uh, it now looks like a what would you call that, Dave? A zombie bite. It, it looks it like looks, you were bitten by a zombie and are trying to hide it. Yeah. It's on the inside of my elbow, and it's a little tender, but it's healing up. My left leg, man, that's what really got me because of all oh, the, the... The crouching. The crouching and the dodging and the ducking and the diving and the dodging. It was... Uh, <laughs> I was, like, limping. I played a lazy man's game. I mean, like, I spent most of the time just standing stock still watching people. <laughs> yeah. But then when they started to look like they were going to shoot at me, I would shoot at them. Then I didn't have to dodge or run or anything. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you got me a couple times that way. I was running all around. I would do the, like, um, swoop in, shoot, and, and swoop out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were definitely the most mobile guy. <laughs> you, were, you, were, you were running around a lot. I ran when I was forced to, when I was painted into a corner by <laughs> circumstance, and only then. It, yeah. But it was a ton of fun. And, and uh, before fun. anyone, I guarantee people are already writing emails going, well, you know they make things that protect your arm from bows. Oh, yeah. Let's make it clear. Flora was wearing that. It, it, it This exceeded that thing's capacity. Like, Flora, we were joking, what he actually needs is a winter soldier yeah. steel arm sleeve. Yeah. I need I need a complete sleeve. This it got I think me. You hit the back of your elbow somehow. It got me. Uh, my elbow turned in, and it got my the underside of my bicep and the underside of my forearm. That was the point of contact, as opposed to down on my wrist where yeah. the bracer was. <laughs> but yeah, was... no no uh, blisters on my fingers because I had a an arching glove. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so I also was... didn't have blisters on my fingers. You know, just saying. Oh, okay. Everybody else was, <laughs> everybody else was complaining about it. I, I thought well, that, that was People a... were grabbing the bows weirdly. People, there was, <laughs> I feel like as much as they gave us, they gave us this very intense, repetitive lecture about how you never take the mask off, and if you do, you're going to end up needing stitches. Yeah. Um, but they never showed anyone how to actually draw the bow or shoot an arrow. Yeah. And that would have taken like 10 seconds. I, I mean, I, I think it's... It's decently self-explanatory, but yeah, but we but, definitely but like, wanted to take those masks off. They got too fogged up. Yeah, so there you go. That's everything you need to know about how we did. I think what else did we do? We drank a bunch. We played a bunch of video games. We had uh, log burning races. We picked logs and raced them. See how fast they would burn. That was pretty great. I really liked that part. We had the widest fun available. <laughs> it was it was a blast. We are we are not wild party people. 
No. That, that was our brand of fun. And I'm we did drive there was a, a strip club right next door to the uh archery tag place. Here's here's a red flag for a strip club. One side of it was a loading dock. Like for like semi trucks. And I don't know if that was by design or if they just bought the building because it was cheap, but it's 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 a red flag. We <laughs> opted not to go to that club. Right. <laughs> Mostly because as much as, as Flora and I joke about it, because I even pulled him aside. I was like, hey, man, listen, if, if you want to go to the strip club, we'll we'll go. I'll just make it sound like it's my idea. It's, it's your weekend. I'll do it. <laughs> and, and, and we both, neither of us are comfortable in strip clubs or anything like that. He was like, no. I don't want to. I was like, oh, thank God. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're all, we're all talk and rock. Not, there's not a lot of eroticism going on there. Mm-mm. That's why I went home and called Naked Singularities. That's right. Naked Singularities. <laughs> nature, nature hates them. They sure do, but I don't. I think That's it's right. uh, a ton of fun. I'm really excited about this episode because we're going to be talking about black holes. That's right. Black holes on Black holes are kind of like magnets. You know, somebody says something weird about them and you make fun of them, but then you got to sit down and really come to terms with the fact that nobody really knows what's going on with black holes. Yeah. No one really knows what's going on with magnets. You want to make fun of the jugglers. I get it. I enjoy it too, but you don't really nobody know. knows what's going on. You can spot one, <laughs> right? but you don't know how it's working. Right. You know what's, what's going on, what the machinations are behind that paint. <laughs> yeah. So I'm, uh, uh, I'm excited for, for this one. We both love the, cosmos and and all its uh, uh magnificent secrets so let's yep, yep. Uh, let's get back into this we haven't done something since i think dark matter right yeah we are overdue to to fuck up a whole bunch of physics yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> boy howdy here we go one of the most fascinating mysterious and frightening objects in the known universe the black hole has captivated mankind for a couple hundred years even before actual evidence of them was found while the field of astrophysics and theoretical physics has advanced greatly in the past century, our understanding of black holes is still incomplete. Through physics and inference from observation, we have come a long way in figuring out what these massively powerful objects are, but still have so much to learn, Padawan. So much to learn. Current theory posits that black holes are objects of such extreme density they warp space-time through incredible gravitational attraction. The force of gravity is so strong that not even light can escape it. Uh, since no light can get out, they are invisible in the blackness of space. We'll be taking a look at how f***ing cool these things are, including how they form, how they're observed, what they're capable of, and how worried you should be of one coming in your house and taking your guns. <laughs> oh, no. The goggles, they do nothing. <laughs> we'll also try to throw in as many pumpkin explanation models as we can. Yeah, we are overdue for some of that. Got a short uh, history for you. Mm-hmm. Now, a- as mentioned, the idea of an object with these characteristics was postulated in the late 18th century through theoretical physics and some particularly impressive mathletics. At the time, the Newtonian theory of gravity and the concept of escape velocity were well known. Now, escape velocity is the lowest velocity that a body must have in order to escape the gravitational attraction of a particular planet or other object. In the 1780s, 
English geologist and astronomer John Michel computed that a body 500 times the radius of the sun and of the same density would have at its surface an escape velocity equal to the speed of light and therefore would be invisible. Although he thought it unlikely, Michel considered the possibility that many such objects cannot be seen but might be present in the cosmos. He called such an object a dark star. Whoa. Yeah, it, it was very edgy. Very edgy. Oh. This was the first known theory to explain a black hole, something which hadn't even been observed yet. And never has been, right? <laughs> right? Oh. <laughs> now, do you know, can you suss out a little bit of this where it, would, uh, where it says, at its surface it had an escape velocity equal to the speed of light and therefore would be invisible? That's because no light is leaving it? Is that, right. is that it, correct? It is something so massive that in order to leave uh, its gravity well, something would have to be going at a speed in excess of the speed of light. So light itself, um, and this is you know well before even Einstein's work on speed of light, they weren't you know putting any of the, the big weight on it that it really has. He was just saying, okay, well, you know, we have a set speed for light, which I don't know exactly how specific he had it. But for the record, 299,792,458 meters per second. Mm. He was saying that if it had that much mass, then the escape velocity would be in excess of that number. And so light wouldn't escape. And so without light, we would have no visual detection of it. So it would be invisible. Yeah. Because what we see with our human eyes, don't know why I said it like that. Now everybody thinks we're <laughs> reptilian. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what we see with our human eyes um, is is light bouncing off of an object and coming back into us and our brain making sense of it. So if, a, if light is going to an object like this and not coming back out, we don't see it. Right. It's like it's not there. Now, uh, one other interesting thing we can just get out of the way right now in case anyone's asking yourself, well, how is it that a massive object can affect light. Light has no mass. A photon is massless. But a photon is energy. Uh-huh. And energy can be converted into mass. That's what makes E equals MC squared such a powerful and well-known formula. Energy is equal to mass times the speed of light squared. So, you, so that's, that is the conversion rate between energy and mass. Yeah. And because of that, Light is affected by hyper, uh, uh, by by extreme gravity. It can be pulled on. So, just yep. putting that out there. The idea was furthered by the French mathematician Pierre Simon Laplace just a couple of years later. Although uh, both of these gentlemen's math was good, their theory was not popular and remained obscure, especially with the advance of the wave theory of light. Uh, and this is what we are just talking about. Light at that time was considered to have mass. Well, that it was a wave because at that time it was um, a wave needs a medium in which to propagate. So like a wave acoustically, um, uh, an audio wave, a sound is propagating through air. Right. Um, And so at the time they had this theory that there was something called the ether through which these kind of things, that's what these waves propagated through. And it wasn't until uh, much later, and one of the cool features of quantum physics was that they realized there was a wave-particle duality, that these things, uh, electrons 
uh, photons. These things act in both manners. Yeah, they they you can you can get both behaviors out of them, which is which is kind of fascinating and, and weird. Yeah, and their theory hinged on light being actual particles with mass. However, with Einstein's 1915 theory of relativity stating that massive objects cause a distortion in space-time, even light was affected, and it was game on for trying to find such objects as black holes, which they didn't know were black holes at the time. Right. Carl Schwarzschild, George Lemaitre, uh, Arthur Eddington, and many other big names, and by many other, there were uh, uh, many other. <laughs> yeah, a lot. The meat of this is is coming up. I don't want to get stuck on, on too many names, but I'll link to it in the show notes. You'll see there's a lot of, of big... Uh, physicists and, and astronomers out there that worked the on this fun, stuff. The other hard thing to, to, to parse out is that there was so much work being done uh, across the board that scientists didn't necessarily know that they were working on something that was integral to this kind of research. And so every piece of work was helping someone else. Um, yeah. All of this, all of this math, all of this theoretical work um, was were helping they were all helping build one big scaffold of a theory from the ground up yeah and um, they they added that to Einstein's foundation and pretty soon it was surmised that stars of a certain mass could collapse into a single point of mass of incredible density and gravity and that's what we call a singularity uh, the term black hole was used in print in an article by Ann Ewing in 1964. But it wasn't until 1967 that the term caught on when used by an American physicist, John Wheeler, in a lecture. Sexism. And how. By combining X-ray, radio, and optical observations from telescopes in space and on the ground, astronomers in 1971 identified the first possible stellar mass black hole, Cygnus X1. Stephen Hawking started hawking all over the black holes in the (laughs) 70s. And just in the 2000s, astronomers found evidence of supermassive black holes at the center of galaxies. In 2012, we got our first visual proof of black holes. And just this year, gravitational waves were confirmed and detected from a black hole merger by the LIGO project. And the, the size of these black holes is amazing. These, these, these supermassive black holes, they have diameters measured in light years. Yeah, they when they they are enormous. I mean, they are the center of an entire galaxy, whereas uh, most black holes and they they vary in size. But you know, they have a, a diameter measured in miles. You know, they're not they don't have to be huge. Yeah, I mean, they're all over the place. There is no one size for a black hole because, as we'll get into, that size can fluctuate in both directions. Oh yeah. So the more you eat. Son, <laughs> you're gonna get bigger. <laughs> Flora, Flora, bring 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 us a good black hole explanation. What is a black hole? Well, to answer what uh, a black hole is, and your burning question right now, listener, of where are the pumpkins, Dave? Where are the pumpkins, Daddy? Daddy, I went to pumpkin, Daddy. Mummy, where are the pumpkins, Mummy? Well. I'll tell you what, here they come, you greedy little piggies, you little greedy piggies. In people size, imagine two pumpkins. This is a people size analogy. This is not a, a, a galactic uh, uh, analogy. This is, this is in terms we can understand. Two pumpkins. One of them represents our sun. The other is bigger and represents a star of larger magnitude and mass. 
Uh, so first, let's say our sun pumpkin dies. So sad. Which causes the core to contract and the outer layers to expand, becoming a red giant pumpkin about the size of a mini Cooper. As the outer layers drift off into space, like a pumpkin shell shriveling and drying up just to be blown away by the wind, the star pumpkin cools down into a softball-sized white dwarf pumpkin, and finally a cold, dead, black dwarf pumpkin, which stays on the porch forever because nobody wants to touch it. (laughs) So our, our sun will never become a black hole because it just isn't big enough to begin with. Fact. <laughs> now, the, the big pumpkin star, the prize-winning one the size of, let's say, a typical kitchen oven, it begins to die the same way. But its outer layers grow so big, it becomes a red supergiant pumpkin, growing to about, let's say, the size of a two-car garage. Now, here's where shit gets real. The core of that pumpkin collapses on itself in an instant. The repulsive electrical forces between particles in the core overcome the gravitational forces, causing a massive, short-lived explosion called a supernova, which blows away the outer layers. It then contracts tremendously and implodes. The entire mass of the pumpkin star is compressed into a smaller and smaller space, a point of infinite density called the singularity. By this time, it might be... I. I want to say marble-sized, but I think it, it would be even smaller than that in this scenario. Yeah. It would maybe be like the, the pointy end of a, of a uh, sewing needle or something. Like, it's tiny. And it's got all the, the mass that's left in that, in that pumpkin in that one little spot, right? Mm-hmm. And the, gra- the gravity from this singularity is so great, like we said, not even light can escape it. And anything that gets close enough to its gravitational pull is pulled into it. So that, uh, sorry about your garage, bro. <laughs> right? <laughs> Actually, if, when the garage was never in it. It was just the pumpkin that was the size of the garage. So, but, uh, so you see how that I think the hardest thing to comprehend in this whole episode is the mass of the object in that tiny, tiny space. Yeah, you you get into like this these weird tug of wars with the other fundamental forces, the nuclear force, electromag you know electromagnetic force, and it's when 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 gravity wins when because compared to these other things, gravity is kind of the weak kid right on the block, but it it works over such larger scales that when when gravity can actually put up a fight against these forces and continue its constriction, it, its self attraction. It's a hell of a thing. Let me tell you that right now. It's a hell of a thing. When you can, when, when when it will continue to to grind itself smaller and smaller, you get these 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 points of 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 super gravity that fuck with everybody else in the neighborhood. Yeah. Now, in order for something to get that small like that, I'm, and I'm asking you, Dave, off the, if you can if you know off the top of your head, is that just taking the space? out from in between all the atoms and just crushing them down, 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 packing them in. It's taking, it's taking even the atoms out from between the atoms. It is actually even crushing the atoms into their constituent particles. And which, which, which is something we'll come back to. That's a huge problem because that, that equates to a loss of information, which according to quantum mechanics can't happen. Yeah. Or shouldn't happen. Yeah. So there's, so even even that 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 grinding mill 
uh, creates some some more problems that aren't solved. There there's no happy ending on that front, but because you always hear that solid objects, solid solid physical objects, aren't solid when you get down to to that right, level. The, the, you know, the, there's a yeah, lot the, of space in in between the structure of an atom and the, right. the electron shells, and yeah. So that's how I think of it is, and I'm just wondering if that's the correct way to think of it. If if it's just kind of squeezing out that space in between the atoms and and then that's how it packs everything so tight. No, it's not. And that's that's kind of a misnomer that a lot of um, TV shows exploit whenever they talk about shrink rays and stuff. Like, oh, we just did decrease that space. That space is is very necessary to an atom um, structurally. It is it is what makes that atom work the way it does. It is has to do with um, where electrons are positioned and. Um, and their their proximity to the nucleus of the atom, um, you know this um, that space is not negotiable. As a matter of fact, that space is the basis for all of energy. When when an electron moves from um, one what they call a valence shell to another, um, it either absorbs one photon of energy or emits one photon of energy. So if you started squeezing that down, you you're you're, you're it, it doesn't work physically the way you think it would it, it it does it's not something that is um manipulatable on in that manner um so what happens is when they do start to feel pressure they're they're like little little glass spheres they just break down you just mm. you just get a box full of parts they they mm. will not be condensed further than they physically can be yeah okay now as we said the the size of black holes can vary wildly um, and some scientists think there are, there are the smallest black holes would, would just be as small as an atom, um, but would have the mass of, say, a large mountain. And there has even been some theories. Uh, some scientists want to find one of these things. And even, you know, there's been some theoretical papers about what would happen if we towed one of these small black holes into orbit around Earth? Would it be um, a means of, of, of extra gravitational propulsion? Would it... Um, would it mess up Be an all the energy time? source? Yeah, energy source. There's a lot of speculation, really, because as we're going to clearly keep running into, there's a lot of theory about black holes, but obviously ain't nobody going up there. So, right, you know, it's tough to really pin down. The, uh, the, the basic rules are this. Uh, a star has to have at least five or six times the mass of our sun to form a black hole, to have the potential to do so. Uh, stellar black holes uh, actually have mass that's up to 20 times more than that of our sun. Um, and there are, it's, it's the universe. It's a galaxy. You, yeah. I don't know how many times we have to say how big the numbers here are, but there are a lot of them. Um, the supermassive black holes that form the core of galaxies have, have a mass of over a million combined suns. And scientists have proven, they've found proof at least, or, or, or evidence, that there is one of these at the center of our uh, uh, galaxy. Uh, and it is called the, that, that black hole is called the Sagittarius A. Mm. And it has the mass of about 4 million suns, which is a very large black hole. CC, Pedro. <laughs> now, there are larger ones. For example, um, the largest known black holes uh, are closer to a billion solar masses. Uh, for example, in the center of galaxy M87, which is oh, one of the very explosive galaxy. <laughs> that's right, uh, which is over in the Virgo cluster. Uh, yeah, that's billions of solar masses. Bildos upon Bil- bildos. 
<laughs> oh man, a oh, mildo mildo. <laughs> Yikes! Um, so then, another thing we're going to come into, uh, we're going. This is going to be a kind of thing we set up and then knock down. The Event Horizon. Not only is a badass movie starring Lawrence Fishburne. God, I love that movie. I haven't watched that in too long. It is also the 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 do not post limit. That is the that is the limit. That is as close as you can get to a black hole and still write home to tell about it. Yep. It is the the edge. Um, it's a terrible word to say because there is no edge. It's the point at which the uh, gravitational attraction of a black hole is no longer escapable by light. So once you cross this line, you you you're there's no coming back. And that's same for you, same for a single photon. Um, it is the the outward uh, boundary uh, of of the black hole. Um, yeah. And it's and one one important thing um, that we should tell you. And Flora mentioned this, and I and I is one hundred percent correct. Is that uh, what's important is the black hole is not a vacuum. It, it's not a big giant vacuum machine. It's not sucking things in. It is more like a gigantic slow edged pit that things fall into. Yeah. Um, it's not going to reach out and grab you, but if, if you're close enough to fall down the hill, you're going to go in. It is not your own personal Jesus. <laughs> reach out and down. And so what we get, so you have the event horizon, which is close, but not quite the same thing as the Schwarzschild radius, which is um, the radius of the event horizon in a non-rotating black hole. What this means is that uh, any object with a physical radius smaller than the Schwarzschild radius will be a black hole. It has too much mass. Its mass to, to, to radius ratio indicates that it will become a black hole. It, it crosses over the barrier. Yeah. yeah. Um, and that was determined by our buddy Carl Schwarzschild back in 1916. Yeah. And again, these are there, there's a mathematical point if you knew, I guess, the center where the where the singularity was, right? Like. Yeah. But the event horizon is is a it's a theoretical boundary. Exactly. There, there is no like surface of the water where <laughs> once you touch the surface you're drug under into the water. Right. And as a matter of fact, and we'll we'll come back to this, but uh there is, <laughs> but you don't see it. <laughs> you can't see uh, it like the surface well, of the water. Well here actually our friend Stephen Hawking himself has said there is no such thing as an event horizon. Yeah, well, yeah. So we'll we'll come back to that part. There's the the thing is is that this is sixty years of very accelerated research where things are happening faster and faster and faster. And so there's going to be a lot of, I mean, even uh, Stephen Hawking's book, A Brief History of Time, um, it has a lot of clarifications. I mean, that move that book is written in 1988. I've got a copy of it written with junior high annotations in the edges by little nerdy Dave Stecco. Oh, um, but they're they're finding new stuff out all the time. Exactly. We're going to, I mean, even as we discuss it, there's, there's a lot of, yeah, but there's also this idea to it. So just, you know, get used to that. Sorry. Not everything's for sure. Cry. By, by the way, <laughs> some, some, uh, uh, black holes spin and some don't. Yeah. Some are into that. <laughs> now the inner region uh, of a black hole where, where the, the point of mass is located is called a singularity, uh, which is the reason it's called that is it, it is a single point of infinite mass in a two-dimensional plotting that would be called an asymptote uh, a singular <laughs> I feel like you point. I feel like you threw that in there to set up a pun later <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's pun bait <laughs> <laughs> that's a pun bait uh, but no it, it is 
it is this point where the mass is consistently being, com- uh, you know, and that's why it's a black hole. That's why it's such a, a crazy thing. Now, there's the the fun, oft quoted, uh, in nature abhors a naked singularity, which was uh, taken from nature. Nature abhors a vacuum, which is to say that nature will never let you see a naked singularity. It is always cloaked by yeah. this event horizon, by the fact that no light can escape it. No, nothing is coming back out of them. Which again is which is also not entirely true. So we talked about that event horizon, that edge, um, that region of space. Actually, you're, you'd you'd really know if you were there. There's no question that you would be aware that shit was going going on. There is a <laughs> lot of hot material screaming around the edges of these things as yeah. it pulls material in. It speeds up. It uh, it is orbiting this thing, and it's starting to move against itself. It's it's creating a huge amount of frictional energy. And if even if this this black hole is living in the middle of nowhere, there is what's called Hawking radiation. That does Stephen Hawking uh, theorized, and he, because the the big discussion was always that a a black hole emits nothing because it wouldn't, it can't, um, which turns out to be. Uh, not entirely true. That's a very inaccurate statement. Um, the theoretical Hawking radiation around this this border, um, there are constantly going around. In, in chemistry, they call them disassociation reactions. Um, water in a drinking glass is constantly breaking down into hydroxide items, which is a, a negatively charged OH, uh, oxygen and hydrogen binding, and then just a positively charged hydrogen ion. Um, and they are this H2O is just breaking apart and crashing back together, breaking apart, crashing back together. It's happening constantly. Similarly, there are matter and antimatter particles that are consistently spawning and then reannihilating over and over and over everywhere yeah. all the time. Now, if this is happening right on that razor's edge of the gravity well, then these two particles, one could split off and get pulled in and the other left forever to roam never to reannihilate with its with its partner that is what hawking radiation is he theorized that the edge the edge of the event horizon should be emitting radiation now if it is emitting radiation that means there's an imbalance right it means that 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 that, that antiparticle is in there and it's going to react with something else it means that the the in it, that antiparticle will go in say into the uh the black hole and annihilate find another particle and annihilate it. Well, that would decrease the mass in the black hole. This would, would actually result in an evaporation of a black hole over time. And it is still widely debated whether or not yeah. it can happen or it can happen in the manner in which Hawking described it. That There's just a lot of discussion about that. And, uh, you know, and we, 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 we may touch on that again in the future. Turns out that black holes... Really f***ing complex, guys. <laughs> they're very complex and... Um, we have seen, there's a, a ton of great research, and just in the last 10 years, the things that we have seen um, with uh, infrared tel- telescopy and, or just infrared telescopes, I don't know why I went for the, I don't know why I dropped hey, a quarter yeah. on that word, but um, <laughs> that they're actually, there's a lot of energy emitted in the area around a black hole. Yeah. Like I said, the, in, a, in a rotating black hole, as material is pulled into it it orbits it, it like it's like water going down a drain all of that material is rubbing against each other the the tidal forces of that black hole of the gravity um that's what we we, we kind of mentioned it briefly in the uh uh that thing the roche limit 
Um, that is as close as one gravitational body can be to a larger gravitational body before the bigger gravitational field crushes the smaller one. And so that Roche limit, it means that everything is getting pulled apart uh, as it gets closer to the black hole and it's orbiting around it. So all of this material is rubbing up against each other. All this gas is running into each other and it's creating frictive heat. And yep. so you're getting a huge amount of radiative heat and, uh, and radiation and light that is coming off of this. And in the middle of it is this dark, dark, miserable hole. Yeah. Um, so um, it's, it is, it kind is of frustrating how, how non, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Euclidean, uh, negotiable. It's, it's why these black holes are so counterintuitive in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's not, not at all. Garlic non. Uh, I've got some numbers uh, here for you on that uh, accretion disk. That's the disk of matter that, that is circling that you were just talking about. Yeah. Circling and uh, getting heated by friction. The maximum temperature in an accretion disk around a supermassive black hole, uh, 100, that is 100 times the mass of our sun, will be around 1 million Kelvin. 1 million Kevins. 1 million Kevins! <laughs> While for a disk around a stellar mass black hole, now this is smaller, it can be up to a factor of 100 higher. Probably because it's smaller and spinning faster, I'm guessing. Huh? Yeah, the um, ironically, uh, again, one of those counterintuitive things. Garlic nonce. <laughs> smaller uh, smaller black holes have much more intensive tidal forces than larger ones do. Yeah. Because, so as you get closer to the center, gravity becomes more intense. And um, there is a really good reason for why a smaller black hole is creating a hell of a lot more trouble for the things around it than a larger one does, uh, as far as the temperature goes, why those are a lot hotter so to say, it's it's hard to touch on that without getting into something we're going to get into later, but we will come back to that. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag yeah. tidal forces. There's just a couple more things I want to I want to hit on in in this. Uh, we've kind of got a shotgun blast of uh, facts with this. I don't know, guys. Pretty dense subject. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, as matter is drawn toward a black hole, it ricochets off the event horizon and is hurled outward rather than being tugged inward. Bright jets of material traveling at near-relativistic speeds are created. You'll see this in artist renditions a lot. Although the black hole itself remains unseen, these jets can be viewed from great distances. It's kind of like two big uh, flashlight beams coming from the top and bottom. Yeah. And and that's that's just like uh, when we use, say, for a a rocket, um, a gravity assist. Um, that is a planned ricochet off of the gravity well of another um, uh, object. And so, you know, none of this stuff is planned. So there's enough material and gas that comes flying in, hits at just the right angle, that it then flies right back out again. Yeah. And especially for a rotational uh, black hole, the, the rotation of the black hole kind of helps guide these two jets. Um, it's neither here nor there. I'm not going to get into it anymore because it gets real boring and I'll probably f*** it all up. But um, yeah, it is just the same way that that we would shoot a, a, a rocket at the moon and use its gravity to get somewhere else. These things have come at a, a giant massive item, uh, this m- m- hypermassive object, and just 
skirt it around the edge and kind of they pick up speed by swinging by and, and they get away because they don't cross it. They just get real close. Yeah. Much like they would use, uh, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast, gravitational lensing. Yep. Um, and that's one of the ways that scientists look for black holes is for these exactly. these uh, these p- places where all the light has been curved around and then re uh, reconvenes at some point distant from the black hole. And that's a good way, that's a good indicator to scientists of, of, a, of, a, of a lurking black hole. The lurking black. The lurker. Scream. Scream for your lives from the lurker. <laughs> uh, I, w- I do want to uh, mention that back to that point of the black hole not sucking things in, not being like a vacuum in space, it actually exerts no more gravitational pull on objects around it than the original star from which it was formed. And any objects orbiting the original star, which would have survived the su- supernova blast, uh, w- would now orbit a black hole instead. So, like you said, even though some of these can be pretty big, you need to get pretty close to it in order to to fall in it. You need right. to get close to that event horizon in order to uh, uh, to go down there. and if it were possible for our, stu- our our sun to be replaced by a black hole, first of all, it would be much smaller in size, mm-hmm. but it would have the same gravitational pull uh, as our sun because it would have the same mass that our sun has. So, you know, we would have probably rel- uh, uh, relatively the same orbital path uh, around it. Right, yeah. So here's my question then, and I don't have an answer for this, if a star has to be five five to six times the the size of our sun to form a black hole, how are you getting smaller black holes? Yeah, well, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know because they uh, they they even talk about creating black holes in in a lab these days, right? You know, in CERN, CERN. CERN's working on it. Yeah, and if all you need's a um, uh, an atom to hold the uh, mass of a mountain, you're gonna have a bad time. And they say that the largest blue stars may even skip the supernova stage, so even their outer shells become incorporated into the singularity. So there are some planets out there that have to be orbiting a black hole right now that used to be a sun, right? So right, keep that in mind. After a black hole is formed, it can continue to grow by absorbing mass from its surroundings. So it gobbles up like a hungry, hungry hippo, anything that falls in into it. Kind of, I guess that would be an upside down hungry hippo at that point because it's not really going out and snatching anything. Things are just rolling into its gaping maw. Oh, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. It's the Schwarzschild radius. There's an actual um, formula for the formation of a black hole, and so if somehow you had, I think what they're saying, our ma- our sun for how big it is would have to be five to six times more massive to form a black hole. Right. However, so if our sun maintained its mass but was much smaller, it mm-hmm. could form a black hole. I see. So it, it depends yeah. on the radius of the. That's exactly what you're saying. It. Yeah, there, yeah. there is a, a radial determiner. So that's how that happens. So sorry. Okay. I just, cool. Get back. I didn't. I just wanted to put that out there because I don't like asking a question on this podcast and not answering it. I mean, I still do it, but that's that's right. Where's the rum gone? <laughs> So, uh, by absorbing other stars and merging with other black holes, supermassive black holes of millions of solar masses may form, at least that is the going theory. (laughs) They're not exactly sure why these gargantuan 
monsters at the middle of our galaxy and, and other galaxies around us, why they formed, how they formed. They're just too big to, to make sense for something to have collapsed and, and formed that, you know? So they think they just have, have gobbled up so much stuff that they've grown to that size. Right. Yeah, or and in, in, in including other black holes. Right. Whatever falls in gets added to the mass and density, and there's no way to tell what has gone into one. All the black hole will remember is the total mass, charge, and angular momentum. John Wheeler, big John Wheeler, yeah, John big John Wheeler. B- John Big Wheeler said, "A black hole has no hair, meaning there is no way to differentiate one from another like there is with people and their hair color." Yeah. So you can't say dude with the the purple mohawk, blonde girl, redhead Monday. There's no differentiating thing about about them. So one thing you've touched on is how how we can see them. How do we know that they're there when when we can't see them if they're black, if they're invisible in space? Well, like you said, gravitational lensing is one way. Scientists can rely on the radiation that is emitted as dust and gas are drawn into the dense centers of them. Um, we can also observe how the strong gravity affects the uh, the light, the stars, and gas around the black hole by way of refraction, or like you said, the gravitational lensing. So, right, and you can, I mean, and that's that's how astronomers and cosmologists that's how they find everything is through uh, gravitational distortion. You'll see um, slight variances in orbital paths or. Um, uh, light changes and th- that's how we find you know every you know, all those oh we found a new exoplanet somewhere else you know that's how yep. we find those things um and a black hole is no different it is it is subject to the exact same rules and so while you can't see the black hole you sure as can see everything going to hell all around it yeah yeah the effects of it are very clear and like you said the new imaging that that's out there and the the new uh, equipment that they've got to work with actually does sort of paint a picture just in a in in a quote unquote di- different light <laughs> mm-hmm. of what a what a black hole looks like, and that's you know you look at the heat going on out there, or you look at stars or planet or or objects wobbling around them, or or you know anything that's that's out of the ordinary, something's going on. So so that's how how we know. So let's get to uh, the the gravy on the uh, <laughs> on the gravy candy. So <laughs> mistakes here. Like what happens if you fall in? And this is this That's is what kind of everybody what we wants were, to know, right? And this is what we were talking about before. It first of all, it matters. On, it matters how big a uh, black hole you're falling into. Size matters. Yeah, it really does. And what you want is a big black hole. The big <laughs> <of the> black hole. <laughs> the, the, the easier it's going to be on you. Don't get me wrong. You will still end up a pile of mush at the end of this. But when we talked about tidal forces, the closer, one of the, the central tenets of gravity is the closer you are to the center of a, uh, uh, of a, of a large mass, the more uh, gravity you will experience. Now, we don't notice it very much, but your feet are experiencing more gravity than your head is. But we are very small compared to the planet on which we live. So that's not a really big deal. But say, for example, let's get out of our pumpkin-sized black hole again. And um, let's say we just wanted to run up and just boot it for the heck of it. Now, as we got closer to it, because this entire black hole, this extraordinarily massive object, which has the mass of 500 <laughs> suns, 
Yeah, first of all, wear steel toes. Right, <laughs> wear steel toes. Get your steel toe um, boots on. The the differential over time, you know, say the pumpkin is a foot across, you're six feet long. Your head is 10 times further away than the outside of the black hole to the center of it, its radius. And you're going from one regular gravity to infinite atom dust gravity <laughs> in that six inches. Yeah. So it tears your foot right the fuck off because your body is inelastic. It, you will, um, as, as you, the, the smaller ones, they're like a baby snake. Their venom is stronger. The, the shearing, these tidal forces of the differential of gravity become far more violent uh, and tears you apart. A larger black hole, you might not even notice as you go over it because compared to your size versus the size of a large black hole, you might never notice those tidal forces. I mean, eventually you will. Yeah. Um, here's, here's another fun fact. Say as you go through in one of these larger black holes that doesn't tear you apart. Uh, and, and by the way, one important thing I left out here uh, is, is, is a phrase that is called spaghettification. Oh, yeah. It, it extrudes you like taffy. Um, and that's what a tidal force does is it pulls differentially. So you've got the, and you can see this on a taffy machine, this big block of taffy. If you just grab a handful at one end, the way that that works is it, is it pulls thinner and thinner and thinner because the rest of the block doesn't care what's happening to the part that's in your hand. And gravitationally, that's what happens on a smaller black hole. Delicious. <laughs> Delicious. Um, now, say you went through a larger black hole that wasn't going to tear you apart instantly. And say for the hell of it, you decided to give a gigantic yee-haw as you went in. And say you have a mystical magic radio that is going to allow you to broadcast this yee-haw outside of the event horizon of the black hole. That yee-haw will go on functionally forever. <laughs> because as you go further down the uh, gravity well, time is also distorting. That, that, that wavelength is going to get pulled further and further out as well. And so you will be, sh you'll be yee-hawing for functionally ever. Until, uh, until finally there's, it's just background radiation. Yeah. So if you're an observer watching from a safe distance outside, you get this, uh, this crazy view as, as Dave yells yeehaw and uh, flies the bird at you. You're going to see, according, according to the relativity theory, you'd see uh, Dave move slower and slower as he approaches the black hole until he comes to a complete halt at the event horizon, never actually falling into the black hole. And this is because a photon takes an increasingly long time to escape from the pull. And this is, like you just said, it's gravitational time dilation. And for you, the observer, emitted light will begin to appear redder and dimmer in an effect known as gravitational redshift. Eventually, at a point just before Dave reaches the event horizon, uh, he becomes so dim and his middle finger <laughs> so faded that he can uh, no longer be seen. And it was all in vain for him to even try to do that. So he just sort of fades out. Yeah. Which is a real weird effect to think about. Oh, Congrats yeah. That fading out would take millennia. <laughs> yeah. And apparently for you, Dave, I think I read this in one place or I heard it in one place, but I didn't, I didn't find it twice which is dumb, but I'm going to repeat it anyway. 
as you as you look back out into space, flying your finger, time would seem to be moving in fast forward due to the this effect of of gravity on it. The universe around will will look like it's going double time, or or you know it'll just speed up as you're in there. Meanwhile, on the outside, it'll look like you've slowed down to to stopping. Yeah, my middle finger moonwalk forever. Yeah, you'll be like, I've been holding my finger here for like 10,000 years. I got all you assholes. I got, yeah, you, I got all. you all. <laughs> I groved you for eternity. <laughs> you got groved. Good. Actually, though, if you <laughs> if you did that, all the pee would come back on you. <laughs> Pissing into the gravitational wind. Uh, Stephen Hawking wrote, falling through the event horizon is a bit like going over Niagara Falls in a canoe. If you're above the falls, you can get away if you paddle fast enough, but once you're over the edge, you're lost. There's no way back. As you get nearer the falls, the current gets faster. This means it pulls harder on the front of the canoe than the back. There's a danger that the canoe will be pulled apart. It's the same with black holes. If you fall towards a black hole feet first, gravity will pull harder on your feet than your head because they're near the black hole. The result is you'll be stretched out longwise and squashed in sideways. If the black hole has a mass of a few times our sun... You would be torn apart and made into spaghetti before you reach the horizon. However, if you fell into a much larger black hole with a mass of a million times the sun, you would reach the horizon without difficulty. So if you want to explore the inside of a black hole, choose a big one. <laughs> That's what he said. Then he uh, looked slyly at the camera and said, like your mother. <laughs> in a uh, 2012 study in Nature, it suggested that quantum effects would cause the event horizon uh, to act much like a wall of fire instantly burning anyone to death. So you wouldn't even get a chance to try flying the bird, Dave. You'd just be burnt nope. to a crisp. Which makes sense if there's all that superheated uh, Right, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's tough even to get there. It's it's like trying to go over the falls in a canoe and in the middle of a forest fire. Yeah, and the, and the water is fire. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. It's a lava waterfall. But uh, people still debate that. They, you know, you're, nobody's done it. We can't, there's not one next door we can just pop over and throw things in. So, <laughs> like Carl Pilkington. What's the <laughs> point of going to a volcano if you can't throw stuff in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's what happens to you falling in, or that's, that's the going theory. And right. remember, it's all the going theory. <laughs> exactly. All right, Dave, now it's time for dessert. Yeah, hit us with the crazy stuff. How about when the Terran Empire took over? Mm-hmm. You, well, you've got uh, Spock with his uh, goatee. Was it Mirror Mirror? Yeah, mirror Mirror, good. yeah. Yeah. Mirror mirror Kirk, Mirror Uhura. I love how much you've been getting into the original series lately. <laughs> love it. White Holes. White Holes. Yes. Just think of the opposite, Mirror Mirror. Uh, a white hole is the theoretical time reversal of a black hole. And while a black hole draws in any matter that crosses the event horizon, a white hole acts as a source that ejects matter from its event horizon. Some have even speculated that there is a white hole on the quote-unquote other side of all (laughs) black holes, where all the matter the black hole sucks up is blown out in some alternate universe. And even that what we think of as the Big Bang might in fact have been the result of just such a phenomenon. Right, and and this is kind of what we were talking about before. This this is one of the theoretical solutions to 
that loss of information. As long as that information is conserved, it doesn't have to be here. Yeah. It, you know, that's, that's one of the, the loose, uh, 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 theories that, that somewhere there is a gigantic mouth just vomiting out, uh, uh material. Um, we've never seen one. <laughs> right. Um, there is no, uh, so far we haven't seen anything that even approximates that. Uh, and that would be, that would be a hell of a thing because the, the, the physics are so strange with that. Because I mean, first of all, the matter coming out would have to be under some form of velocity. It would have to travel away because otherwise you would end up with just this, this big crunchy ball that just occasionally just gets a little bigger, you know, like something has to be forcing it through because it is gravity that is pulling items in. If Maybe it's like falling. a gravitational assist in that case. Right. And it's, it is, it is that, yeah, that acceleration from gravity that's helped kicking it out again, which, yeah, I guess, yeah, there you go. You just but, answered it. Uh, I, the theory as it stands kind of says that everything runs backwards there, right? Right. Time runs backwards. Right. Which means that entropy is running backwards. <laughs> Everything's going to order. Right. Uh, and, and there's, I read this book and I, I think I've mentioned it a bunch called the end of time where someone, uh, their theory was that there's no such thing as time. It's simply the entropic constant. And that constant is, uh, capable of shifting. Eey. Um, like the, like the, the, what we call time is just the rate at which entropy occurs at which things break down. And we are currently in a, a pro entropic phase and that at some point that pendulum will go back the other way and will be in an anti-entropic phase. And that would be what we conceive of as reverse time. But it doesn't answer the question of why, um, why do we remember the past and not the future if they're equal? Yeah. And my question is, if we were living in a universe where time ran backwards... I, hope, what- someone, I hope someone who's high just went, oh. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, go ahead. I hope I hope everybody has pulled over and <laughs> sparked one up. <laughs> 420 blazed it for this episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, uh, old men talk about smoking marijuana. Mm-hmm. I want to know in the thought experiment of, of time running backwards, time as we know it, which runs forwards, if our life was going backwards, how how do you, how? <laughs> well, that's just it. It is, it is so antithetical to our understanding of how things go. Right. You, you would see cells fusing instead of dividing. You would get healthier and then dumber. Yeah. But it, it's not so wild because there are times in our lives where as you get older, you get healthier. You know, there, it, biologically, there's a lot of uh, leeway and exceptions to that, but it is, it would be the, the entire universe moving towards a greater degree of order. Um, and so that, and that's why, I mean, granted this book kind of, kind of fringy. It's, you, there's a reason why everyone still talks about time. Like no one solved that 10 years ago and called it done. Um, yeah. but it was an interesting theory and a great book. I enjoyed it. And I guess that's what this, this white hole would be was some sort of anti-entropic center because the other reason that I, I think, uh, that, that a white hole it is it is kicking out so much matter, which which as it leaves the 
the event horizon of the white hole would then start to be attracted to each other. That that matter would then start to aggregate. And so eventually this white this white hole would, would crust over, I would imagine, to some degree, unless it was really jetting the F out of Dodge. Until it created a star? And another black hole. In a way that kind of makes sense if everything's headed towards order, because shit could get kicked out and then reform into what it was. Right. So I guess maybe maybe that these these things there is a um I did I do have another article up here that's not related to black holes that I found about uh well, why are you bringing it up for? <laughs> some scientists think that they found actual proof of parallel universes, physical uh-huh. proof of it. If if there is a say a twin universe, a a doppelganger universe in which is the 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 mirror, the the anti-entropic mirror of our entropic universe, then there would be these white holes spewing out matter and organization. I'm so fucking high right now, guys. I, just... <laughs> I think I can taste purple. <laughs> what about wormholes? Uh, the theoretical passage through space-time that could create shortcuts for long journeys across the universe, thereby creating faster-than-light travel without violating the speed of light. Yep. Tunneling through there. Uh, wormholes are predicted by the theory of general revati- relativity. Exciting. Uh, I, yeah, indeed. Damned exciting. Uh, and also a requirement of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. Um, Einstein's theory of general relativity mathematically predicts the existence of wormholes. However, none have been discovered to date. And believe me, the Bashar squad has a lot of fun with this, that there are, that we're surrounded by wormholes and that's where all the, 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 Palladians are coming from and all that jazz. So on a pumpkin, this is starting at the stem of the pumpkin, going straight through the fucking middle of it to the bottom. <laughs> yep. As opposed to taking the long way around the outside. Yep. However, uh, in these these wormholes, um, imagine though that the the pumpkin is very soft and squishy because you would be pushing the top and bottom together until they were one singular plane. Um, there is no oh, yeah. middle through which you would be traveling in that in in a wormhole. At no point are you in the center of the pumpkin. That would imply a another realm of reality. You are literally punching through one point and instantly arriving in another. Um, much more, it's more akin to taking a piece of paper, folding it in half, and like every movie does this when they're talking about it. You just shove the pencil through the paper. Um, it doesn't linger in the center. It just comes out the other side. Um, unless you are... Uh, unless you Stargate, and then you go on a water slide ride. Unless you are the crew of the Event Horizon, in which case you do take a brief sojourn in hell. <laughs> yeah, so that's, I, I mean, that's just as badass as things can get. Um, there are some solutions of general relativity that do allow for the existence of wormholes, where the mouth of each of these wormholes is itself a black hole that then punches through. However, uh, according to these solutions, a naturally occurring black hole formed by a collapsing star would not in and of itself create a wormhole. So they would have to be artificial black holes? Well, in a, in a sense. Um, in the same way that CERN can make a black hole using a, a particle collider, micro black holes, there, ex- there exists theoretical means of, of high energy 
black hole formation where a sun isn't, it's, you're not doing it the old fashioned way. You can kickstart it if you have enough, you know, huge amounts of energy to do it. Wormholes. Wormholes. Last one I got uh, uh, on the crazy train here for you is called a Gravistar. Sounds awesome. You ever heard of this? Uh, yeah, it's coming out on PlayStation 4 next month. Should oh, cool. boy. <laughs> Gravistar. A theoretical new form of matter when atoms in a blob of material reach the same energy state and form a super atom. According to Emil Matola and Pavel Mazur, the dying star's matter creates an ultra-thin, ultra-cold, ultra-dark, ribbed-for-her-pleasure shell of material that is virtually indestructible. The new form of gravitational energy in the interior is akin to a Bose-Einstein condensate, although it appears on the inside to be a bubble of vacuum. Hence the term gra from gravitational, va from vacuum, and star. But it's still also invitational. Right. Uh, the interior of the Gravistar would be totally warped space-time, uh, the traditional three dimensions plus time. According to the researchers, this interior space would exert an outward force on the shell adding to its durability. Matola and Mazur continue to refine their theory and are working on a concept behind rotating Gravistars. They even suggest that the universe we now know and live in may be the interior of a Gravistar. Huh. Pretty insane. But apparently it, it fills a lot of uh, uh, grocery bags in the old store of, of theoretical physics for black holes. It'll nicely take care of some math that is problematic let's say yeah there's a there's a a lot of uh things have to be just right for such a thing and um there's a lot of things that would destabilize uh gravistars as they theorize in the rotation does you know with or it has to be a very specific rotation um you know things like that but then again that's what they say about life on earth so it's a big universe <laughs> it could happen somewhere that's true what do you think of of those theories what what do you think of white holes uh i mean of of all those theories the the one that the only, the one that's most interesting to me would be the wormhole because again naked singularity the gravistar is hiding all the goods on the inside of this uh indestructible untershell that yeah. you can't get through so so what good is that to anybody who the hell cares uh the white hole you got to get extruded into a stream of subparticulate matter just to be thrown up on the, the out in this other universe where God knows what the hell's going on. <laughs> that doesn't seem like a trip a anyone could survive or b anyone would want to say you could. There's I no way back. Yeah. There's no way back. And what do you hope to see on the other side? Um, I mean, yeah. aside from a mirror image of this side, wormholes, very interesting. Um, and I think the ability to detect them if they do exist. Um, and the uh, one thing that we haven't really touched on yet that we've talked about before is that a lot of this stuff is based on um, Einstein's relativity. Um, the problem is, is that Einstein's relativity and quantum mechanics don't get along in these extraordinarily high gravity situations. Individually, both of them predict things fine, but when you mix them together in these situations, something's got to give. They, they don't both get along. And that's one of the things that people are trying to, to work really hard on. That's what the, the, that work on the Higgs boson is very important for. Yeah. So that's, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to know how that's going to work out. And my personal theory is that the reason why they, 
they both work but both don't is I do think that there is something else at play. That's my personal theory that there is another fundamental force that we don't understand that is explaining why both of these things work so well in their particular sandboxes, but they don't mix. I would love to see uh, wormholes not only um, theoretically just because of what they would represent as far as understanding gravity and the unified field theory, but is a is a amazing way to travel to to go to other places that we would never get to otherwise. And this is uh, this was the concept. Uh, and first of all, I I agree. Like the the white holes. Why is it a one way street? Like why is our universe the the drain, right? And and the other universe is the uh, the the sewer pipe that dumps it into the ocean. I would think there would be black and white holes. Not having, you know, just sitting here being an asshole, thinking about it. Why, why, why can't we have both? Right. In, in that case, like, why don't we see a white hole somewhere, you know, around since we've looked at quite a lot of stuff, and maybe they're that rare. I don't know. I would think we'd have a little bit more evidence of that. But back to, to wormholes, this is the basis of the movie Interstellar. Right. They have a wormhole out by Saturn, and that's they, they go to it to get to uh, other places in the, the galaxy. And then Matthew McConaughey decides to, to take a header into the black hole. <laughs> right. Just, you know, because that's last resort kind of thing. And, of course, it, it gets all crazy. And I, I, I do like the movie, and I like how they portrayed it and stuff, just because I, I like that kind of shit. But their whole thing is, here's a, here's a wormhole. We used it, right? It's as easy as that. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I mean, it's. I mean, you you don't. You unfortunately, I, mean, I, I don't think you just get to use a wormhole. I, I I don't think. I mean, what's going on inside a wormhole? What is gravity like? What is electricity like? What is the energy? What kind of shielding do you need? How do you navigate when you're in there? Is it a one way? Um, is it a, a completely random roll of the dice, or are two thick two fixed points in the universe linked? Right by that, I mean, there's so many questions besides just their theoretical existence. That, uh, yeah, how how do you know that you that they it's not branched or or linked to other things, or that the other end isn't fixed, or or our end isn't fixed? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. It I, is great. I, would would you go through a wormhole, not not knowing if you just happen upon it and you're like, yes, I'm 100 percent sure this is a wormhole. I'm the first person to ever come across it. Do I fly through it? Do I go home? What do you do? No, I go home. I go home. No, I go through it. What about a black hole? If you came to a black hole and you stood outside your ship, would you jump in? No. I would. Really? Yeah. So, so twice now, what if I had a chipper shredder that was labeled wormhole? Does it look like a chipper shredder? You can hear the motor running, but there's like there's like a lot of cardboard. Listen, up front. just because I said I'd jump in doesn't mean I'd a- I wouldn't ask a few questions first. Right, That's I wouldn't my listen point, for though. a motor. Yeah, you'd smell. Of course, the- I'd listen for a motor. Yeah, you'd hear the motor. You'd probably smell a little diesel. Um, but there's a whole lot of uh, cool cardboard out front and it's like wormhole and there's a bunch of <laughs> shimmery ribbons over it maybe some cool music i mean because I mean, i'd both, take a look but i I'd, I'd ask a few questions a wormhole 
and a bl- especially a black hole, they are chipper shredders, dude. They, a black Probably. hole is the worst chipper shredder. Probably, but you know what? What el- what else am I gonna do? Anything else? A, a, a crossword? Uh, uh, animal husbandry? Hey, uh, buddy! Uh, crossword and animal husbandry won't get my name in the Wikipedia. You don't. You know, know how hard it is to get in Wikipedia. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> yeah, I. But I mean, it would be like a, a it would be a bad entry. It'd be like, hey, th- this guy was the first person to kill himself via a uh, black hole. No uh, information was gathered. He simply well, jumped in. We're we're sure he's dead. We're sure they can kill people. Yeah, we know that guy's gone. You know how I know? I can still see the top part of him. Giving me the finger. <laughs> Giving me the finger. Yeehaw for all eternity. <laughs> Do you know that we just had to block that entire channel on the on the radio because it's just him screaming forever? <laughs> the government's sending in like an anti-radio rocket on your exact trajectory, <laughs> hoping that inside the, 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 the gravity well, that this thing will just blow you the f*** up so we don't have to listen to it anymore. <laughs> radio, number stations are using that frequency now. Right, exactly. One, twenty-three. <laughs> I would, seven. I would, I would very ah! much. <laughs> I would very much like some of our more artistic, uh, leaning <laughs> listeners to maybe draw a quick picture of me luring Flora into the 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 wormhole chipper shredder. <laughs> maybe Flora's got a homemade spaceman suit on, <laughs> made by Adidas. <laughs> this is ground control to major. I feel like I feel yeah. like we did a pretty good. Uh, I think that's a good good dismount for this for this thick <laughs> sure. industrial tome. Yep, that's uh, that's going to do it for us for black holes and a, a very black he- heated accretion disk, white hot jet shooting out infinitely dense nutshell. Whispering to Flora, jump in, jump in, naked singularities. Naked singularities. <laughs> oh, man. The only thing with, with more radiation, heat, and crushing gravitational uh, distortion are... Uh, oh. I made it back out. <laughs> Did you hurt yourself? A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) He whipped back in and hit the pop stopper. All right, who's going first? You're going first. Well, I'm going to double down on the theory that these regions of space-time are the most powerful at 21 kilometers across. But if they go over that, they bust. It's my blackjack hole theory. Nice. All right, I get you. I get you. Did you hear that the um, uh, Spanish government actually has sent a manned probe uh, ship into space they, to to directly study a black hole. Their plan is to fly the ship directly at the black hole and then at the last second just hang just outside the event horizon and then spin around and maybe do a quick, quick, cool turn. <laughs> it's called Project Black Ole! <laughs> 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 Also, they're mm-hmm. gonna st- also they're gonna stab it with a couple of swords as they go by. Yeah. 
Swords get elongated. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's secretly, everyone's secretly hoping the black hole just (laughs) kind (laughs) of gets them. Right after the running of the black holes through space. (laughs) That's right. Uh, okay, so there's there's a theoretical boundary that a woman of faith encounters when she wants to devote herself to the Catholic Church. If she crosses it, she may never return to secular life and is committed to nunnery forever. It's the convent horizon. <laughs> I like that. I think that's a good one. Did you know that uh, archaeologists in the Mediterranean have unearthed uh, an artifact that is... Uh, just fascinating. It is spinning around at a great rate of speed, generating a ton of heat. There's jets of plasma shooting out the top and bottom. Um, they found it just outside of Athens, so they're just calling it a Grecian disc. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. There they are. It's white hot because they uh, douse it in oil and lemon and light it on fire. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. They're sending out a tzatziki probe to see if they can cool some of that heat off. Black Opa. <laughs> nice. Them's puns, sons. That, that, them's the puns, sons. Son of a pun. The one thing that is uh, uh, of of infinite density and dragging the podcast down with it. Oh, yeah. It's that region of internet space. Maximum entropy where all information is lost and ground asunder. <laughs> right. Of It's just an hour of that. That's our joke. <laughs> <laughs> they really committed to it. Yeah. Flora, who's up? Well, 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 look who what? we have here. What is the cat drag, Dion? <laughs> <laughs> Looks like it's our old buddy, Lana. Lana! Oh, how we've missed you. How are things at the library, Lana? Oh, yeah. What's going on? Says, howdy, fellas. Howdy do, ma'am. Still listening and loving every minute. I switched careers to teaching. Whoa! So I've had less time to write. So that's how your library's going, Dave. Yeah. Well, she's she's upgraded. Now she's sending people to the library. Yeah. Now she determines the volume. And maybe I didn't want to write in after the whole Louisville basketball sex scandal broke. I didn't know if I could take the totally justified shit storm that Flora could have let fly at me. Man, you know, I've been taking Flora's shit storms justified and unjustified for a long time. And I got to tell you, just ask the Swofo to Bitcoin. They're hilarious and awesome. Couldn't make it to the live show. Just started teaching. Was too frantic to do anything else but cry. Well, that's okay. Uh, We're going to do it again. We're going to do more live shows. That's true. I uh, finally got my boyfriend to listen to your show. He really loves you guys and gets excited every time you guys mention my name. Oh, Lana. Like, your name is Lana. It's a really big compliment because he usually only listens to the Adam and Dr. Drew show or Stephen King on Audible. Like the Dark Tower series? Oh, nice. Oh, I would also buy a Boone County koozie. Ooh, yeah. Nothing nothing keeps your Budweiser select cooler than a Wood Snoot koozie. <laughs> Wood, snoozy. Snoot, snootsy. Snootsy. Uh, oh, and congrats on getting all engaged and whatnot. Hey, thanks. She offers handmade talking boards. Oh, I know what those are. That's uh, Talking boards are, are what they call beat sticks in that part of the country. <laughs> 
Tune them up, boys, with one of those talking boards. Says I would be honored to to make you one. I don't know, man. I, I think I'd like a, a handmade talking board. Uh, that, that's it's a beating some... stick. You're going to get hit, you know, by me. That's fine. In the Dude, gym. I just said I'd jump into a black hole. <laughs> that's true. Oh, I didn't, I didn't tell anybody this. I shot Greg Bach square in the junk with an arrow. <laughs> <laughs> he did. It did. Not on purpose. I was actually aiming for his chest, but he like did this leap to get out of the way, but it was straight up. <laughs> and ka-tunk right in the tchotchkes. Oh, man. Pretty good. Sorry. Pretty Just wanted good. to make sure that that was a part of the permanent record. Talking boards. Oh, no. It's like a Ouija board. Yeah. I didn't know that. I figured it out because yeah. I kept reading. I don't know. I, th- I think it'd be cool to have a, a handmade, finely crafted uh, piece of Kentucky wood. That mm-hmm. can speak to the spirits. Oh boy, I love where this is going. What do you <laughs> think? Uh, a piece of Kentucky wood that can talk to the spirits. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> I know I took the name in high school and everything, but <laughs> as long as it doesn't have you know that that little red L on it. Oh, you know it's going to be or a cardinal, please, please, or Rick Patino's face. I would love it if it had like lots of filigree at the edges and hidden in there was like a little. Little cardinal, little L, or if like oh. all the letters were normal except for the L. I'm just giving you ideas, Lana. <laughs> well, it's good to hear from you, Lana. I'm glad you're still around. And yeah, uh, good for you. I hope fun the teaching. teaching is yeah. I hope the teaching is a hoot and you're enjoying it. Let's see uh, who do we got next. Archaeologist, <laughs> the archaeologist. Hello, Dave and David. Hello. Hello. Wanted to tell you how much I love your show and it makes my work days in the office so much more tolerable. Awesome. Good. Your ability to be open-minded, humorous, and critical has made Blurry Photos my favorite podcast. Yes. Slowly working my way through the archives, which, I'll say it again, available, blurryphotos.org. We're trying to come up with a better way to get that uh, from the internet to your yep. handheld device of choice. So bear with us on that. I have a real good idea in the works. All right. See, we're working on it. Because we care about you. Enjoying every episode so far. Uh, if I if a, a live show is ever to come to my town, I would definitely buy two tickets and drag a couple of my friends along with me. <laughs> Unfortunately, our friend Archaeologist lives in a little town called Boise, Idaho. Come on. <laughs> I can't make it up. I would, but I don't have to. <laughs> in all seriousness, I enjoy every moment of your show. Thank you. P.S. What do you call a spirit that haunts ancient places, not to terrify the living, but to learn about the past? An archaeologist. Yeah. <laughs> Nine guys. <laughs> Thanks, Harley Archaeologist. Thank you. Kind guys. <clears throat> we've heard from Vile Kyle. Oh, God. Oh, Vile Kyle. Breathe through the mouth. It helps. Been digging my way through your archives. Finally found how much blurry photos is too much. That's seven, and that is seven hours straight. Oh, God. You made it twice as long as I would have. Just finished your 69th episode, uh, the Oak Island mystery. Uh-huh. Uh, during the episode, Stecco references One Tin Soldier by the original cast. I love that song. My father used to sing it to me all the time as a kid. Though I have two corrections. One. Oh, yeah. No, we've got, I've already gotten these before. Yeah. It's- yeah. Hit him, hit me, hit me. It's actually an anti-war song, not a Christian song. Right, yeah. And two, it's the valley people who attack the mountain people for their treasure. Yeah, yeah. Though, 
I feel the statute of limitations has run out on this penalty box, and someone uh, someone else more than likely brought it up by now, so I will spare you from being cast into the penalty box. Yeah, I, I think I did go to the penalty box for it. Yeah, I think I you recall. did too. Yeah. <laughs> and one last thing, since the recent release of Pokemon Go, kids have been getting back out to explore. I heard a group of kids actually made it to Oak Island in search of Pokemon. They came across one of the many holes in the ground, and in it they found an onyx and a geodude. That's right. It's the Oak Island Pokemon-y pit. <laughs> That's good. That's really Thank you, good. Vile Kyle. Thanks, Vile Kyle. Uh, got one from Toronto Rob. Not that one. That one died. Jeez, <laughs> oh, um, he did, didn't he? <laughs> yep. Uh, in light of the closure of the D.B. Cooper case, legit sounding explanations for the Dyatlov Pass incident. Uh, have you guys considered doing an update episode? Yes, we have. Um, you could cover the aforementioned topics as well as possibly newer encounters with previously discussed cryptids, further developments in Bullstone stories. Uh, yes. I mean, I'm, everybody knows that I go back to the well on Bullstone updates all the time. That's my jam. Uh, and the like, it might be fun and would free you guys up for having to come up with something new for a week. Uh, that you'd still have to do research. So not so easy after all. Very true. Um, yeah, we have, we have talked, we have talked about that. We've talked, especially like things like Diatlov Pass. You're right. Maybe just like a, an updates episode, like further developments. Yeah. I'm into that. You know, that wouldn't, a bad be bad, idea. that wouldn't be a bad uh, live show. That's true. But then again, it's I guess people, good. if they're showing up, they want to hear something new. <laughs> uh, Toronto Rob goes on to say, I just want to say again, you guys are great, and your comedic meanderings are almost always able to pull me out of the grouchy or blue times. I wish I had uh, could recount some supernatural encounter, but like you guys, I've only read about the things that go bump in the night. Uh, keep up the good work, gentlemen. Additional wishes of good luck to Stecco and his move to a new place. Thank you. It's going wonderfully. I love it in Iowa. And so does Flora. And as this will no doubt come out weeks after the fact, <laughs> I hope you will reap my goodwill retroactively. <laughs> oh, you know us so well, Rob. <laughs> Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Rob. Heard from Screwdriver Key. hey Who is a lady. Okay. Been listening to a podcast for a while. Uh, we thank you for that. Needs more referential pumpkin. Get on it. Yeah. Oh, well, well, there you go. is our command. <laughs> Ed Wynn is top and kills me every time. Well, <laughs> thank you very much. It's, it's quite complimentary. It's really, it's, yeah. <laughs> I was rather disappointed that in the Shanghai Tunnels episode, you mentioned the sport of crimping pong, but not the offshoot that built a lot of popularity in Latin America. Instead of using paddles to ricochet bodies off the tunnel walls, they began to use curved wicker scoops. This enabled the bodily pelotas to achieve dangerously high speeds. This was Shanghai Lai. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a real winner. Uh, if you ever find yourself in L- Louisiana, sometimes people write, let's see, wait a minute. No, it's, it's LA because she says, I'm from the Southeast and have lived in California so long. Uh, oh, shoot me a thunder sound since I'm from the Southeast and I desperately miss storms. Uh, so, for screwdriver key, thunder sound. Nice. Thanks, m'lady. Thank you. Uh, got one here from Doug. Doug. Uh, Doug writes, just catching up uh, Just catching up on your podcast, David's, listening to the uh, Time Slips episode. Uh, and he actually had a, a twice he's had a Time Slip kind of feeling. Get Once out of was here. Uh, riding on a trolley tour of San Francisco about 20 years ago. 
Um, and suddenly, well, the driver's talking about the city history, he just saw it and, uh, and kind of got a feel of the vibe of it and, uh, just kind of for just a few seconds kind of felt immersed in it. And, uh, that's kind of cool. Uh, and in a similar <laughs> uh, sensation while camping in Northern California, right after taking a piss over a hillside, overlooking a river Valley. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's an important detail that I'm glad he included. <laughs> Not sarcastic. <laughs> I suddenly felt like I was an Indian chief surveying his otome, <laughs> wang out, just looking over that <laughs> river valley. <laughs> Everything the urine touches is yours. <laughs> yeah. It was an incredible sensation, and I held it as long as possible before returning to my friends. I bet you did. He's referring to the sensation. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know how to classify these experiences. Maybe just the result of too many psychedelics in my youth. <laughs> Never enough. Uh, great podcast, gentlemen. I listen at work in headphones and uh, while I do a boring job and my coworkers often see me cracking up for no apparent reason, which I find is mu- uh, which I find amusing as well. Thanks for the smiles and mental stimulation. We'll send puns soon. That's from our friend, uh, Doug. Right. Thanks, Doug. Thank you, Thank you Doug. Uh, one more here from me. Uh, got one from Hamp the Champ. Hi, Hamp. Says, hey, guys. Recent listener from Sweden. And oh. I'm really enjoying your work. Apparently... He hasn't listened to any of the ones where we do a Swedish accent. (laughs) Uh, I'm a PhD student in mathematics. Ooh. And your show really distracts me from all the work I have to do, for which I'm very grateful. Have a pun for you guys if it's not too late to make one of that murderer guy in New Orleans. You know, that guy, the murderer guy. It's never too late. I heard he actually made it in the business world all the way up to the top, actually. He became one of those hatchet man CEOs. (laughs) <laughs> nice P.S. you guys have a background in acting you guys have a background in acting or something how did you get so good at accents mine absolutely suck <laughs> oh you are the rarest treasure in the world and you're instantly one of our favorites <laughs> that's right oh hamp the suffering we go through we, to bring these accents to you we, <laughs> those accents aren't good they're <laughs> f***ing terrible <laughs> No, they're not. They're awesome, and everyone else is terrible. It's just, it's just you, Flora, me, and Hamp. We're the only people who get it. Poor delusional Hamp. <laughs> well, we appreciate it either way. Yeah, thank you, sir. <laughs> thank you, Hamp. Uh, finally going to round out this uh, round of uh, listener mail with... Flora, are you sitting down? I know you are, because I can see you. <laughs> Peyton Bob. Peyton Bob. Thunder sound. Dry fuss. What? What? And uh, Franken Duck. <laughs> All these things we do because we love you, Peyton Bob. <laughs> uh, Peyton Bob writes, uh, he's got a pun for us. Yeah. A product that'll make anything stop squeaking, but uh, while you're using it, you're unable to get the thought of having sex with your mother out of your mind. It's <laughs> WD Freudian. <laughs> <laughs> he writes, I am still listening. Always listening. <laughs> Always. Oh, thanks, Peyton Bob. You rule. Thank you, Peyton Bob. Good to hear from you. And thanks, everybody, for writing in, uh, blasting through some of the, these uh, emails. Not not fast enough, but also got a quick shout-out list here. Captain Catfish, St. Foo, Gretchen, Janelle, Andrew T., Squeaky Banana, Dylan. 
Gabriel and Lance. Thank you guys uh, for writing in. And to those of you who asked, yep, we, uh, as we said, we're working on a way to get those episodes back on iTunes. I've got a plan. I just need the time to execute it. <laughs> so maybe after the wedding. I would love it if, if all those people were in one band. Oh, they could be. As always, you can go find old episodes at blurryphotos.org slash archives. You can get to everywhere you need to go on that uh, website. You can go to Twitter, follow us, blurry underscore photos. You can go to Facebook, give us a like. You can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can subscribe to our RSS feed. You can subscribe to us on Stitcher. I don't think we have a Google Play button, but hell's bells, you can go there too and do it. Right. You can punch a donate button. Yep. I mean, guys, it's Blurry Photober is just around the corner. And what better time to commemorate your love of blurry photos than, than Blurry Photober? It is the Weirdos Lovers Month. Lo- lo- weird Lover Month. Yeah. It's, lover it's Weirdos the, Month. If, you, if you're a weirdo, then the, then... the month where the lover is soaked in milk overnight. <laughs> Liver milk. Stop it. So Dave, gross. Dave told me about this. I don't even uh, remember the joke, but it was something about liver uh, soaking just, in milk. Some guy at a store was real excited. We, I was buying onions, and, and he was like, oh, wow, those onions. I'm going to buy some onions. I heard a new recipe for liver and onions. And I was like, well, I think you just told it to me. <laughs> and he was like, no, no, no. You soaked the liver in milk overnight. <laughs> and it made me want to throw up. Just the idea of liver milk. Jeez. Um, let's see. Better ideas. Yeah. Uh, karate chopping the donate button. Uh, Patreon.com slash blurry photos. I mean, if you want to punch it on a regular basis, get some really sweet fiscal uh, calluses on your on your knuckles, and guess what? We're going to send you some acoustic headgear and and fighting gloves, but not actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Metaf- m- metaphorical <laughs> acoustic. Right, boy, I'm going I'm going too far down. I need to pull out. No, no, Event Horizon, you can't. <laughs> my engine's flamed out. Oh God! Uh, victim of my own metaphor. As always, uh, you can check out audibletrial.com slash blurryphotos to get yourself a free audio book download on us. We get a, a, a monetary high five. You've got 30 days of, of free trial for Audible to check it out, see if you like it. And if you don't, you don't have to keep it. But you do get to keep the audio book. It's a pretty yep. sweet deal, sucker. If you want a book to listen to, uh, the one I'm listening to right now is called God's Bankers. It's about uh, the Catholic Church and how they've made money over the years. And there is some uh, very interesting stuff in there. Popes dealing deals and... Wheeling wheels. And and squealing wheels. Wheel squealers. So that's my recommendation. Dave, what else we got? How about uh, check out our swell friends over at the Dark Myths Collective. A lot of fun podcasts there. And also, as we always say, uh, our good friends over at the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. Yep. Uh, they are a glorious band of highly trained, specialized, very skilled people. Uh, I think I've made the joke before, but if you can find them and you can afford them, maybe you can hire the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. All right. Uh, yeah, if, you, if you'd like a podcast from the cooperative to check out, why don't you check out Cinema Jaw? which is a film podcast where Matt Kay and Rye the Movie Guy, along with Elias Rodriguez, talk to authors, musicians, technologists, and any interesting people about their take on the movies. Mm-hmm. Cinema Jaw, check them out. Thanks, as always, to Cards Against Humanity for keeping this boat in sweet, sweet fuel. 
Yep, yep, yep. You got to keep getting, otherwise we'll be adrift. We'll be adrift. A, it, they are the adrift. wind in our sails. Indeed. The fuel in our tanks, the wind in our sails. The cream in our coffee. The cream. Wow, my balls. <laughs> Blurry photober. Here it comes. Look out. Hey, hey what's going to get you? Watch out. <laughs> Blurry photober, and then Xmas is not long after that, and we just sort of start over and do it all again, Dave. Dude, we are about to hit the uh, the water slide of the holiday season, and I could not be more happy. It'll be fun. Well, thank you for listening uh, for this episode of Blurry Photos. I have been David Ghetto Gravistar Flora. You're a Gravistar. <laughs> and I've been Dave Grovity Well Stecco. <laughs> Heston. Heston, get over here. You have to see this new work we've been doing on black holes. I've me I've finally reached a point of inf- infinite grovity. Grovery. We didn't think it was possible. Doesn't that mean that somewhere else in the forest someone's getting pissed all over? Hey, what's the big idea? Well, <laughs> looks like I'm just getting groved out of nowhere. Ah! That's what you get, Ronnie! <laughs> Science, bitches! Science, <laughs> bitches! Are mine!